people say, how long is life? And some people say life is between laugh, between tears and laughter, between tears and laughter. I, the Buddha said life is between the breath. We don't have a breath, we don't have a life anymore. All right, okay. Let's concentrate back to meditation. Okay. So what is meditation? Meditation is in two parts. Stabilization, people call it calming down, and introspection, some people call it contemplation. All right, so what is calming down? What is stabilization? Stabilization is the initial method through which one is able to suppress emotions. If you cannot calm down, if you cannot stabilize your mind, you can't talk about suppressing your own emotions. So in order to calm down, because when you emotionally react to externalities, you feel fearful, you have depression, you have anxiety, fear, hatred, jealousy, ignorance, greediness, and all that, then the first thing to do is suppress them by saying, well, we're gonna calm down, we have to calm down. But you only suppressed it. You're only using suppression against emotions. You cannot use, just use suppression against emotions. You can only temporarily suppress it. It's just like you cannot use violence against violence. Can you use violence against violence? No, you cannot. The same happened in Hong Kong. Can you, can you use violence against violence? No. So mental calming or stabilization is the initial method through which one is able to suppress temporarily emotions. Uh, and what is introspection? Introspection is the primary essential through which one is able to eliminate delusions. Why do you have emotions? Because your rational thinking mind is being diluted or overwhelmed by the emotional mind. So you need to have wisdom. You need to have mental introspection. Mental introspection, you require wise concepts to overcome, uh, to eliminate delusions. All right? So calming is the provision with which one nurtures the consciousness. When you see nurture the consciousness, because when you are emotional, your consciousness is not at peace. When you are coming down, you are more or less at peace with yourself first. And introspection is the technique which stimulates the development of spiritual understanding. So if you want to go a higher level, to go to your spiritual understanding, you need to have introspection. Calming is a supreme cause for dhyana absorption or for jhana. It's for different absorption, meditative absorptions. Uh, and introspection is the origin of wisdom. So you know that meditation needs two wings. Medi if meditation is a bird, a bird needs two wings to fly. One is stabilization, the other is introspection. Stabilization, some people call it concentration. Introspection, some people call it contemplation. But we think that the most appropriate translation would be stabilization, not just concentration. Because to concentrate, 
you are trying to force something really hard. But stabilizing something is just you are just trying to be peaceful and calm down your stormy emotions. So we use stabilization to stabilize yourself. Sit down, stay put. And introspection is not just contemplation. It's going within, insightful, going inside to find out what your delusions are and trying to and trying to eliminate your delusions. Now that's meditation. So remember, we're doing a review. So in order to do it, how do we actually carry out, what techniques do we use to stabilize? We've been talking about counting, following, and stabilization. This, we've been talking about this, we, I think we use more than 30 hours to talk about counting, following, and stabilization. And we've been using 20 hours to talk about introspection. And we stop at introspection. We haven't talked about turning and purification as yet. Because we think that introspection is very important. Since sometime last year in September, we started introspection. We haven't stopped. So we've been, now it's August, so we've been talking about introspection for about a year off and on. And of course, sometimes I went to other, I went to Singapore and Malaysia, you know, different parts of the world, and I missed out a few lectures. So we've been talking about introspection, and where did we stop last time, introspection? Why do we need to introspect? How do we cultivate introspection? It is important to have the right introspection. Most of the time, we use the wrong, erroneous, unwholesome introspection. So we must use the right introspection, we call it Zamprachnaya. The right introspection means clear and right understanding, clear and right knowing, with full awareness guided by prachna. So, most of the time, our introspection is not right. Sometimes we are mistaken, sometimes we are jealous, sometimes we are angry. We think, this is what I think. This is what is wrong, what is right. You use your own, not rightful, erroneous introspection to judge, to evaluate, to stigmatize, to classify, to categorize. But the, but the Buddha's teaching told me that, told us that we've got to use the right introspection. That's one of the, one of the most important noble eightfold path. So we have, we have to be with useful awareness guided by prajna. And in prajna, we have conceptual prajna, introspective prajna, and true prajna. Conceptual prajna are the words, the sutras, the language. But just knowing the language is not enough. Memorizing all this language is not enough. That's just, you, you become a slave of languages. You become a slave of the words. Some people say, by memorizing all these, then I know Buddhism, no. You're only, you're only in touch with concepts. You're not practicing the concepts. You're not introspecting the concept. So you need introspective prajna. And it would lead you then to true prajna. 
when true prajna emerges, that's the prajna without, without the bondage of language. That's the true prajna without the bondage of your own ego. Then the true prajna will come out. All right, so that's introspection. And what is true prajna? It's a state of pure consciousness that transcends worldly concepts or belief systems that might impede perfect wisdom. So when you have true prajna, then your wisdom is, the, is you're approaching perfect wisdom. True prajna transforms the three parts of temporal consciousness into true consciousness. What are the three parts of temporal consciousness? Perception, thinking, and emotion. It transformed that into the ultimate introspection of the true nature of existence and reality. We have already explained this in detail. When we talk about prajna, it becomes very complicated now. What is prajna? Introspection. When you introspect, you need concepts, right? So the Buddha had been teaching for 49 years the Buddha put out a lot of concepts and taught us how to, how to um, rationalize those concepts, how to think in terms of those concepts. And, and later, because different people have different background, different educational background, and the family background, societal background, ethnic background, and differences, levels in, 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 in intelligence. So gradually, the disciples of the Buddha develop certain collective collection of different concepts, different principles. We call them schools. They, they, they have different schools of Buddhism. School does not mean an institution. School is not a school, a high school, primary school, no. School is a collection of knowledge and principles and experiences, not a physical school. So there are 10 different introspective concepts that the Buddha passed to us. And the disciples of the Buddha and later philosophers during this 2600 years evolved into different school different collection, different bodies of doctrines and, 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 and concepts. And these are the reality school, Zatisiti school, Trisastra school, Tintai school. The first one and two, sometimes you call them Theravada school or Hinayana. And from three to ten, sometimes people call them the Mahayana school. Number five, the Galen school. Number six, Chan school, Zen, the Zen. Seven, discipline school, or sometimes you call it Vinaya school. Esoteric school, sometimes you call it Mantra school. Damala Zana school, Yogacara school. And then also the Pure Land school. So these are the different collections of different concepts. It's an ocean of bodies of language. So how do, we, how do we approach this ocean? For the past 60 hours that we've been talking about, we 
we pick out some of the primary concepts to learn. We learn the primary concepts. For example, we learn the fourfold nature of existence. We learn about impermanence. We learn about non-self, sufferings, and nirvana. We've been talking about all these different concepts. When you are doing introspection, you need concepts. Without concepts, how can you think? We all think in terms of concepts. I hope you understand what I mean. When you practice Buddhism, you think in terms of concepts. What are these concepts in your mind? Are they the right concepts? Many people use the wrong concepts. The concepts of getting more. I want to have fame. I want to have reputation. I want to long, long, have long life. I, I have uh, requested the Buddha to give me long life, to give me money, to give me reputation. They use the wrong concepts. They believe in the Buddha just for the acquisition of merits, of benefits. That's not the purpose of Buddhism. Buddhism is not to acquire. Meditation is not to acquire. If you think about meditation, it's to, I want to have good health. I want to, I want to do yoga. I want to live long. I want to have good health so that if I have good health, then I'm strong enough to make more money. I'm intelligent enough to do this. I have intelligence to do that. You are in the process of asking for more. That's not the objective of the Buddhist teaching. Meditation is not to ask for something. Meditation is to get rid of all. Let go of all. Zen is not to acquire. Zen is to give up. When you have nothing to give up, you are approaching the right way. Buddhism is to let go. Can everybody let go? Can I let go? No. I have this temple. How can I let go of this temple? I've, I have managed it. But then you take up another thing. Buddhism is to let go. I, I tell you a story. Maybe the story would speak for itself. There was a very, there was an enlightened monk. Um, we usually call him the Big Belly, Laughing Buddha, the Laughing Monk. And he was always walking in the street in the market. He didn't want to say a word. And he was a reticent person, an introvert person. He does not want to, he didn't want to speak. He just go around the market and if it comes to the necessity of speaking, he would say, okay, chant. He just say what is necessary. And he was always carrying a bag on his back, carrying a bag, big belly, going around the market, carrying a bag. And if the weather was perceived to be cloudy and rainy, he could be wearing a pair of wooden slippers, an indication that it's going to rain. If the weather is going to be good, it could wear just a cloth shoes, showing that the weather is going to be nice. I mean, whatever he's doing, he's just, he's not speaking, but he's indicating everything by carrying a bag and wearing the, the right ropes. And one day there was a, a, a novice monk going up and asked him, Venerable, what is Buddhism? 
What is true Buddhism? I'm in search of true Buddhism. Tell me what is Buddhism. And then the monk took the bag down and put it on the ground. Didn't say a word. Please tell me what is Buddhism. Didn't say the word. He just took his bag and put it on the ground. On the, on the ground. What is Buddhism? He didn't answer. He just picked up the bag on his shoulder and walked away. The novice monk feel perplexed. I'm asking a question. How come I got no answer? So the novice monk returned back to his own temple and he started to ask his own master, Master, this, more, this, this afternoon I met the monk, uh, the big belly monk, and I asked him what is Buddhism. He didn't answer a word. He just put his back on the ground. When I answered again, when I asked again, he just put his back onto his shoulder and walked away. What did he mean by that? That kind of actions. And then his master said, you should have understood his actions. What is Buddhism? Letting go. Putting the back on the ground is letting go. Letting go of your everything on you. All, all your treasures, all your fame, your reputation, your emotions, your anger, your jealousy, your hatred. Let that go. Put it on the ground. Let that go. Putting the bag, this bag of mental afflictions, this bag of greediness, let it be put on the ground. Let go of it. And then, how come when I asked, what is Buddhism? He put the bag back on his back again and walk away. It's not just letting go. Be responsible. Be responsible. What is responsible? The burden of enlightenment is heavy. Put it on your back. Extend your compassion out. Not just enlighten yourself by letting go. Put it the responsibility of letting all sentient beings enlighten on your back. Be a bodhisattva. So not exactly putting letting go. But you have to learn how to let go first. Buddhism is not just letting go. You have to let go at the beginning. But you, you take on. Letting go and taking on. So there's no one answer to it. There's no one thing as, that is it. Letting go is it, no. More, more than letting go. And then we say, what is the purpose of meditation? And all these different levels of meditation, when we are in Kamadatu, these are the levels of, the, of Samadhi. Samadhi is the level of meditative state. Kamadatu, Anagamiya Samadhi, Rupadattu. So there are eight in here. There are eight in here, four and four levels, eight. These are not even counted as the levels, but we still count them as levels. So these are the different levels in meditation. And all these levels, we are giving the example as we are like, a, like a, an end inside a bamboo. We are going through reincarnation, we are going through life and death. And if we practice meditation by purification of one's mind, using your own efforts, your own efforts to do it, you have to bite through Kamadhatu level. You have to bite through vertically the Kamadhatu. You have to bite through the second section of 
Rupadhatu, the world of materiality. This is the world of sensuous desires. This is the world of materiality. This is the world of consciousness. So you have to bite through, you have to get rid of all these sensuous desires by biting it through, going through Anagamiya Samadhi and Kamadhatu and come with that to samadhi, then you can bite through the first level to get into the second level. And then you go into the rubadhatu, which is the first, second, third, fourth, you have fourth dhyana level, absorption stage, meditative stage, to bite through. So you have to go through all these by biting through, getting, biting through the rubadhatu, formed with materiality. Formed with materiality, the ascension beings who live in, in the world without sensuous desires. You and I will live in, the, in a world with sensuous desires, men and women desires. But there are worlds that they don't have those kind of desires anymore. They are at a higher level than us. Our problem is we think that human, uh, we think that men and women's, so to speak, sexual relationship is good, but that's the reason that pull us down. We are in Kamadat too. But people in a higher level, they don't have men and women relationship anymore. They're in a much higher state, much higher happiness. But they still have to go through first level, second level, third level, fourth level. They still have materiality in here, which means that they still have form. They still have a body. They don't have the sensuous desires anymore, but they still have materiality. And then when you bite through, going through Rupadhatu Samadhi, you bite through, they go on the higher level, which is Arupadhatu, which is the world with no more materiality, only consciousness left. You think materiality is good? When there's materiality, there's suffering because you're pursuing materiality. You are materialistic, that's what we call it. On a Rupadhatu, there's no more material, only consciousness left. So you bite through that, your consciousness left. If you can bite through further, then you're out from samsara. If you can bite through. How long would it take this end to bite through all these things smoothly and go on to and, and, and get out from life and death? This is all life and death, samsara, life and death. How long does it, how long would it take you? Millions of years, millions of lives, very difficult. And the Buddha suggested that an easy way for us, an easy way for us is we don't have to, we don't have to bite it through like that. We just bite through horizontally to get to the pure land in this life. But this pure land approach of the Buddhist teaching has not been commonly accepted by North America. They don't even know about chanting Buddha, chanting Amitabha Buddha would, would, make, would qualify them to go to the pure land. Not even that, not even, even people who study the pure land approach, they're not practicing it well. They're still going into meditation. They're still going into, oh, chanting mantra. They're still going into you know, very difficult ways of enlightenment. So there's still a lot of work to be done by, by those who promote the Buddhist teaching that 
we should gear our, all our efforts towards an easier approach, which is chanting of Amitabha. To go to, this is what we call, commonly call, the heavenly approach. Go to heaven first. But heaven is not the way to go. The Buddhist, in the Buddhist teaching, they don't call it heaven. They call it the land of bliss. Sukhavati Vyuha, the land of bliss. And in some religion, they call it heaven. Go to heaven first. But in order to go to heaven, there, there's conditionality. There are certain conditions fulfilled that you qualify yourself to go to heaven. You must study it. All right, but this is not our topic today. Oh, this is the end, this intelligent, wise end. He's not going, going to go through every section. He's taking the easy approach by biting through horizontally to get to the pure land. We talk about the five meditative elements, inquiry, inference, comfort, and contentment, and stillness of mind. These are the meditative elements in, uh, during our meditation, during our, our, our conceptual understanding. So, inquiry, inference, is actually introspection. These are the, are the causes. Comfort, contentment, and stillness of mind, those are the effects. Up to that point, cause and effect. But effect is a cause leading to another effect. So, it's an unending loop. Stillness of mind is a cause for going into enlightenment. So, stillness of mind, contentment, and comfort are the effects of inquiry and inference, but comfort, contentment, and stillness of mind are the uh, effects for enlightenment too. And then we say, in Kamadatu Samadhi, we have different levels. We have, a, we have already explained this, but it's just a review. Kamadatu, when you are in Kamadatu Samadhi, you, you will experience, you, you conceptualize and experience inquiry, inference, inference, and then you'll realize comfort and mental contentment. In Anagamiya Samadhi, you realize stillness of mind. But the degree is not high. But if you go to the first jhana, you have all the five elements. And then when you go into the second jhana, you get rid of inquiry and inference because those are too crude for you. When you are in the first jhana, you have all the five. And then when you want to go further, you say, inquiry is it's still a burden on me. Inference is still a burden on me. I want to let them go. When you're in the second jhana, you already have gotten rid of inquiry and inference, which you think they are burdens to me. I, I need them when I first start, but now they are burdens. I want to get rid of them. Even that idea of inquiry, that idea of introspection, that idea of stabilization, I want to get rid of those ideas. I don't want those ideas because they are disturbing me. My stillness of mind is now up to a level that even the methods I use, I want to get rid of them. Then you go into the second jhana. And when you continue to practice in the second jhana, you will find that, you will find that this comfort that I feel become a burden. 
I want to get rid of this comfort. They become a burden to me. I want to get rid of the comfort. You want the comfort, right? But the second level, the second genre of people, they, I, want, I don't want this comfort anymore. They are a nuisance to me. So when you continue to practice from third genre to the fourth genre, you say, even this contentment in me is a, a disturbance to me. I want to get rid of this, of this contentment. Then you go into the fourth genre. Then you have that stillness of mind. Even that stillness of mind, you, it's a burden. You want to get rid of them. Then you go into enlightenment. You understand what I mean? It's good to know about this because you think about meditation. Well, some people say, I've been meditating for 10 years. Where would I go from here? <laughs> Where would you go from here? First jhana, second jhana, third, fourth, fourth jhana. And how long would it take me? Millions of years. Maybe to you it's just one year because you're already at fourth jhana and you're reincarnated in this world, you're waiting to be enlightened. Like the Buddha. The Buddha came down to this world waiting to be enlightened. He already have practiced for millions of years. And just one this lifetime, he just lived to get rid of the stillness of mind. Became the Buddha. Maybe you are qualified, you, you became the next Buddha, then you, you be born in this world, you got rid of the, you, you try to get rid of the last straw on your back that, that has brought you all these troubles. The last straw. You want to get rid of the last straw. When you get rid of the last straw, you become the Buddha. But there have been many, many straws on your back. Now the last piece of straw, you get rid of them. If you meditate, if you don't know how, you could run into problems too. There is a dark side of meditation, you know, if you didn't know how to do it. If you mix qi, qigong with meditation, you could get into trouble of kundalini. What is kundalini? You could have experienced some ecstasy, some pain, some emotional transformation that you couldn't take. And you need a very experienced teacher who actually have gone through the Kundalini to give you the instructions. And, oh, you could, you could run into disasters sometimes if you, don't know how to, if you don't know how to recover from it. You could run into chronic exhaustion. There are experienced meditators who went into chronic exhaustion but during the chronic exhaustion, they were enlightened. They were, able to, they were able to produce a lot of good writings. There are monks who are enlightened, but they are still in that chronic exhaustion. But finally, they will get rid of it. Even that, they will get rid of it. Then, as we always say, once you get rid of the last straw, you'll be coming out smelling like roses. <laughs> That's the idiom I always use. You become, you become enlightened. In the future, I like to change my emphasis, not on meditation anymore. I like to change to the easier method of enlightenment, the recitation of the Buddha's name approach. That is, once this body is shut off from, it's off, once you die, if you're not enlightened yet, you're not at fourth, third, second, first. 
then you will roll into the next life with all your karma. What would you become in the next life? We don't know. It depends on what you have done now. You could be poor, poorer than now, or wealthier than now. You could be, I don't know, it depends on your karma, but you'll be in reincarnation. But you don't want to go into reincarnation. You, will, you want to be in another world where there's no reincarnation. That's Amitabha's land. But there are certain conditions for you to be qualified to go to that school, to that land. So, the concepts we are explaining as we first started in, in, in my session, I said meditation is in two parts. The stabilization part, which is the, sum, the summative part, and the introspection part, which is the vipassana part. And I have spent a lot of time in introspection. And introspection, I said, there's so many, Buddhi so many concepts that the Buddhist, included in the Buddhist teaching, the ten schools, how can you learn everything? Even if you, if you live up to a hundred years, you cannot learn everything that the Buddha taught us. So I said, we can only pick and choose like an ocean. To taste the ocean, you don't have to drink up the whole ocean. You just scoop up a few cups and you know how the ocean tastes. And for that reason, I introduced some primary concepts so that with those primary concepts, we already have enough understanding and then we practice accordingly. And I have introduced concepts like the four, the four seals of the Buddha, impermanence, non-self, sufferings and nirvana. I have the 37 enlightenment approach. I have introduced the, eightfold, the noble eightfold path, uh, the four noble truth. I have introduced the concept of sunyata, I've introduced the concept of Asvabhava. Do you know what Asvabhava? Svabhava is, is what? It, it's uh, like an entity. Asvabhava is without an entity. Like our body, what is our body? Our body is not an entity. Our body is not Svabhava. It's not, our body, does not have an intrinsic nature. As for Bible, we, we don't have an intrinsic nature. In other words, our body, as it exists now, is not an entity, it's only an activity. Everything we do is only an activity. And once we have done all these activities, our body dies. And then we roll into the next role, next collection of activities. But we, we do have an entity, the alaya consciousness in there, that little entity is being covered up by all these activities. Mm -hmm. And then we roll into the next life with that intrinsic nature. That intrinsic nature roll into the next life. But our body does not have an intrinsic self-nature. We don't have an I. We don't have an identity. We don't have an intrinsic entity. This is only a fleeting, temporary, conglomerated temporary existence. Our body is a collection of activities. We have no self. You think you have a self, that's why you get into trouble, you get into suffering, because this is me, this is a self, this is an ego. Me, you, he, she, you differentiate. But you don't have an I. 
you only have a collection of causes put together to perform all these varieties of activities. Each life is an activity. The next life is an activity. But we think that we have an entity. That's why we think I. So I have explained, we have explained all these asvabhava, non-self, impermanence, sunyata, uh, 37 factors of enlightenment. We have uh, the satipatthana, contemplation of the body, or introspection of the body, introspection of uh, feelings, introspection of the mind, introspection of the Dharma. So we have all these already talked about, and it's so much that you really have to research into yourself. I cannot go on. I'm just giving you some primary concepts to think about. The world is impermanent, the world has suffering, we all have sufferings, uh, our life is just an activity, it's not an entity. All these concepts, you need them to what? To do introspection. That's why I've been talking about introspection. Meditation is in two parts, right? The stabilization part and the introspection part. You need concepts to introspect. That's why you're studying the Buddhist teaching. But the, the, the Buddhist teaching is just a tool. Don't think that you memorize the Buddhist teaching and that is it. It's just a tool. It's just the concepts used. Once you get those concepts, you use those concepts to introspect, you arrive at non-concept. You arrive at not concepts anymore. You are returning back to your own consciousness. You are using your consciousness to introspect with objects. Concepts are objects. Introspection needs concepts, needs tools, needs sutras, needs languages. That's introspection. But once you learn, once you know, you've got to get rid of all these. You must return to the origin. Return to your own mind. Your mind has been perceiving all this. This is right, this is wrong. Yes, I use the right concepts. But still, I am doing it on a dualistic way. I am contemplating. I am introspecting. You still have I and others. But you need to return home. You need to get rid of those too. You need to return to the home run. You've been going all different runs, running all over the place. Now you need to have a home run. You get rid of all what you already got. That is how we first start. We already talked about counting, following, stabilization, introspection. What is turning? Returning home. Don't pursue those concepts anymore. You use only those concepts. You only need a map to go to Victoria. When you go to Victoria, you need to get rid of the boat. If you don't get rid of the boat, if you don't get rid of all this introspection, if you don't get rid of all those objects you've been using, if you don't get rid of Buddhism, you're not returning home. So you need to return home. After all these, you need to return to your own true, real purity, real nature in you. You got to return. 
But you cannot return without learning all these, right? How can you return without counting, following, stabilization, introspection? You're returning like a dumb, ignorant person, right? You have to return home wise. You already got the information to return home. Anyway, you won't return home because you are too obsessed. One should know that you're going to return to your origin, return to your true nature. You are on your way to the final purification. Whatever tools you use to purify yourself, get rid of those tools. Because you are still tainted with those tools. Get rid of them. But it's difficult. You're not at that point yet. We're not at that point yet. We are only at introspection. For most people, they're not even at counting. They can't even stabilize their mind. How can they say about introspection? You think that those protesters can stabilize their mind if they're in the street? If they take to the streets, they cannot stabilize themselves. They cannot calm down. So, I'm not going to talk about introspection anymore. I'm going to talk about turning next time. I want to return home, I'm too tired. <laughs> I have ventured enough into introspection. For those that you have not enough concepts, get into Google to concept them, to, to, to find the concepts.